What is going on, everyone? This is Drew Coat Sports Talk. I am your host, Andrew Wright, and over in his bedroom is my co-host Cody Johnson. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm, not, I'm sorry that I'm laughing, but uh, Cody, how's it going over there? Being heckled right now as we start the show, <laughs> but everything else is going fine, though. You, you seem to have issues. <laughs> we're having technical difficulties, but <laughs> hey, we're we're pushing on. All right. Well, um, we are going to continue what we have been talking about um, for the past couple of weeks now. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we started with our top 10 quarterbacks. Uh, Last week, we had our top 10 running backs. And today, we are going to be talking about our top 10 wide receivers in the NFL going into next year. So, Cody, without further ado, let's get going. All right, guys, so we are continuing what we have been doing. Uh, This is going to be our top 10 wide receivers. Um, Surprisingly, we had two receivers in the same position, but not at one and two. It was like a random six and seven. (laughs) uh, But uh, you'll you'll see which uh, receivers we have. Now, this is my favorite one um, because um, now this is not a brag because uh, I wasn't good. But I did play receiver in high school, and um, I like to think I had good hands, and I had somewhat of uh, a speed receiver, if you will. Um, and I was pretty good with my route runnings. But uh, I thought you said you weren't uh, going to brag. Uh, I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying I was. Just, I was decent. I wasn't. I wasn't terrible. Okay. Papa, are uh, you I, reliving the glory days over there? No, because I wasn't the number one receiver. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was. Just, I was I was usually, uh, well, technically I was in the outside position receiver, um, but I was like the number four choice for the quarterback. So, <laughs> so uh, I guess it's not really a brag, but uh, nonetheless, I this is my favorite position to talk about. Um, I always have um, ideas of what receivers I would go after. Um, and because I kind of look at what receivers that I was, I played next to, and then also um, what quarterbacks kind of want in a receiver um, and, you know, all that stuff. So this is why I'm excited about doing it. It's a position I feel a lot more comfortable about than probably any other position for, for me anyway. So I'm excited about this. Very cool. All right, Cody. So um, you have your list ready, right? I do. Do you have your list ready? Absolutely. All right. Well, what? I've been ready since yesterday. Yeah, same here. Well, why don't you kick (laughs) us off? Who's your number one guy? Okay. My number one guy was uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, now newly acquired uh, to the Cardinals, I think he has the best hands in the game by far. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he has, he's a guy that will go and get anything. He's not the tallest guy, he's not the fastest guy, he's not the strongest guy. But what he has is he has those hands and he has a knack for coming back to the receiver. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, when the when to the receiver, to the quarterback. I'm not talking about when the quarterback scrambles out. What I'm talking about is he has the perfect he can stop on a dime. And that is very useful for a quarterback, Uh, whether it him being stopping to come back on a comeback route on a curl route. 
um, on a corner route, on a post route, streak, whatever you can think of. He has those. He has that ability to stop and fake out the defender or stop and come back to the quarterback if he needs it. Um, he's one of the best that I've seen in a long time. And we've seen him with a TJ Yates who was was trash. Garbage. And, uh, <laughs> and then Brock Osweiler who was more trash. And um, and then we see with Deshaun Watson who Watson is, is a good quarterback. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was – I think he was in both of our top tens, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we like Deshaun Watson. So, he's a, when he had a good quarterback, I mean, we saw Houston really thrive. So, mm-hmm. um, I think DeAndre Hopkins has done it with very little and, and a whole lot, and he's done nothing but been consistent the, his whole career, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add Kyler Murray, who has that running ability, and then you add Larry Fitzgerald on the other side. Um, it's going to be quite impressive to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, this Cardinals team is going to be very scary. But for me, um, just as a as a receiver, uh, DeAndre Hopkins for me is my number one. So, Cody, who is your number one? I've got Michael Thomas as my number one receiver from the Saints. Um, a lot of the factors I have from him being number one is one, he led the league, of course, in catches and yards, not in touchdowns, of course. I believe that was by Mike Evans or Galladay. Gall- oh, Galladay. Big pardon, Galladay. Which, by the way, honorable mention will mention later, which we mm-hmm. just did, anyways. Anyways, <laughs> uh, um, Michael Thomas, like I said, is my number one guy. When I see him, I honestly believe that you can put him as the number one receiver on any team and he will flourish. Now, I will say, though, with Drew Brees coming, going to him so often year after year, and Drew Brees has been known to do that. Any of his number one receivers that he's had, he goes to them often, and he feeds them the ball, even if they're not open, little space. He, one of the great things about him being so accurate is that he puts the ball where it needs to be for the receiver to have a chance. And thankfully, he's got a really talented receiver in Michael Thomas. And mm-hmm. every year, Michael Thomas gets better. Um, he's not – He's not the fastest guy off the line, but he's definitely one of the strongest. And you're never and anytime that there is a ball that's within play, he's definitely going after it. And it's not going to be very easy to kind of get him out of the line of his route. Um, and again, a lot again, it's a lot of it is a quarterback, but I really think if you put Michael Thomas on a team with like Deshaun Watson, I think he's just as um he flourishes just as much. I even think if you put him on a team with like Phillip Rivers. I think that would be a fine matchup or a fine combination just because Philip River airs it out and Michael Thomas can go and get it if needed. And he's very good about tracking the ball, coming back to it, um, runs clean routes in my opinion. So that's why I've got him number one. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I like Michael Thomas a lot. He's actually my number two. Um, Michael Thomas is a guy who I, I have been thinking about this for a while now, and I kind of feel like Michael Thomas has prolonged Drew Brees' career because there's been a couple of times where I look at Drew Brees and he doesn't look um, as good as what he used to be, I guess. You know, arm strength, obviously. Um, His accuracy to me has kind of dipped a little bit, um, and he seems to not trust his stuff as much. So he really seems to rely on Michael Thomas a lot. 
And, um, and then we saw him with Teddy Bridgewater when he got injured. Mm-hmm. And Michael Thomas still was doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and you could probably argue he was doing a little bit more because I believe that was when Kamara was, was out as well. So right. you, we've, I, I, there's an argument to be made that because Michael Thomas is on the saints and he's with Drew Brees, um, that he is, you know, that's why he's so good, but I would make the opposite argument. I would say it's because of Michael Thomas that Drew Brees is still in his forties and, and now you know, still quarterbacking for the Saints, you know, and you could still argue that the Saints could be a potential Super Bowl candidate team, you know. So um, I agree with you, Michael Thomas. He's a big receiver. He's a strong guy. He reminds me of a really young Des Bryant, but I think he's got more skills than what Des Bryant did when he came into the league. Yeah, definitely more um, polished receiver than yeah. Bryant. But because yeah, Bri- Bryant was a big, strong receiver, mm-hmm. and that was his best attribute. And Michael Thomas is a strong receiver, but he's got some speed too. Yeah. Um, I think later in his career, he could potentially be like a like a Larry Fitzgerald, where he's still in the league, he's still productive, he may not be the fastest guy, but you know when you need someone to make a catch, Michael Thomas is going to be there. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Michael Thomas for me is is number two. So, Cody, who's your two? I've got Tyreek Hill at number two. Um, a lot of the factors with this is, one, his quarterback who's throwing him the ball, but also, too, though, um, over the years that I've seen Tyreek Hill, um, his route running has just gotten better, and I think he's an all-around better receiver, and he's, I don't want to say in the sense underrated because, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has thrown you the ball. You're clearly the number one option for him on the outside. And you can also go on to the slot and, and just, you know, carve up any DB that's near you because they can't keep up with you in general. Um, but I honestly think that he's been working a lot on his, his footwork, his break off the line. Um, you know, he's added a lot more, um, a lot more separation to his arsenal when it comes to matching up against the DB. And that was on full display during the Super Bowl when Sherman would try to match up with him. And, you know, Tyreek Hill would put on these double moves. And a lot of that is the reason why he had that wide open um, reception in the Super Bowl that Patrick Mahomes found him in the fourth quarter. Um, Yeah, I mean, he is really fortunate to have Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Although, even though Alex Smith was his quarterback at one point, you can tell that Tyreek Hill was really young, um, was adapting to the pro offense in, in the sense of like route running. So he wasn't obviously at its full potential, of course. And as he and Mahomes have been in the league together, um, I think Hill's been in the league one extra year more than uh, Mahomes. Um, you can see them growing together in their chemistry, but also too, I really think that um, Tyreek Hill has taken a huge step forward in terms of being a receiver to where, you know, he's, in my opinion, he's one of the more focal points of the offense than let's say Travis Kelsey. Not that Travis Kelsey is any less valuable, but I really think that Mahomes is looking for Hill more because he gets open faster. He breaks away and his speed may be a big um, hit against him, but I really think that it's his speed, obviously that separates him on the field and off the field. um, And the fact that he's been getting better every single year. Um, And that's why I have him at number two. Um, Just an all around great receiver in my opinion. And, shows that almost every Sunday, very few. And you can tell when he's missed, when he's off the field. And that happened this past season with some injuries, Um, you know, so a lot of the other receivers stepped up, but still you can't replace Tyreek Hill. That's why I've got him at number two. 
All right. So why don't you give us your number three while you're at it? <laughs> so number three, I've got Julio Jones of the Falcons. Um, honestly, he's been consistently number three for me. Um, if we were doing a list a few years ago, I probably would have put um, AB and OBJ ahead of him. But um, a, a lot of that is also because um, his quarterback, we always talk about, it depends on who throws you the ball. Julio Jones obviously is that freak of nature who, again, we always talk about, you can put him on any team and he's going to get his yards. He's going to get his touchdowns. He's going to get open. He's going to be a nightmare for defense, for defenses, DBs, safeties. It's really hard to contain him unless you're going to really double or triple team him. Um, I know one of the things that you and I had talked about, though, is one of the things against Julio Jones is his um, his uh, uh, in, uh, proneness to being injured a lot. You know, I think one season he missed a full season because of a foot injury. Um, you know, he usually misses time for whatever the reason. I don't think he's played a full season in his career yet. Um, but, um, you know, been in the league for nine years is still super consistent. Um, I really think that he'll have a pretty uh, a better year than he did last year because he'll have Calvin Ridley, who's been in the offense for an extra year. They lost Austin Hooper, which means that they've got it. You know, there'll be throws that'll probably go to Julio Jones more. And they got uh, uh, Todd Gurley in the offseason, which means there'll be a little bit more of a run and Gurley will be more of a um, of a, you know, passing um, threat. Um, which means that could leave Julio for different type of routes. They may move him a little bit more. Um, and we will probably see, you know, Matt Ryan exploit the, exploit the defense with Julio Jones over the top, or, you know, Julio Jones is really good at running those um, five yard slants and then getting the ball and then just breaking away for the, for the touchdown or a long gain. So for those reasons, I've got him at number three. Um, who do you have at number three, Drew? I have the same. I have Julio Jones. Um, I mean, you kind of alluded to it. I mean, Matt Ryan isn't the greatest quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. Um, but you can see Julio Jones completely thrive and exactly what you said. I mean, he, he doesn't really, he's never healthy. He's always injured every single year. Mm -hmm. And I know I've told you this before. I I usually try and stay away from Julio Jones in like fantasy football drafts Mm -hmm. because I know he's going to be injured and you just never know how long he's going to be out. I mean, he usually comes back, but you know, with Julio Jones, he, he does constantly get injured. So it's always a worrisome when you're thinking fantasy football. But from a receiver aspect, the guy is just unbelievable. Yes, he's a big, big wide receiver. So it makes him easy, you know, it makes it easier to just throw the ball up there and, you know, trust that, you know, probably 75% of the time Julio is going to come down with it. He's got really good hands. He really doesn't drop the ball that often. Um, he's got really underrated speed. Um, and you could probably say it's because of his, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His, uh, I guess his wingspan of his legs, um, <laughs> his stride. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, his stride is just so long because of his, you know, he's such a big receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Julio Jones a lot, but he's not just one of those guys that, you know, when you throw the 50, 50 ball up, it's more like 70, 30. Um, he also can run those short routes and make things happen. And I've seen him make uh, when it was like a third and seven and they run a drag with him, a three yard drag, he catches it and, you know, extends the ball to the first down and, you know, they restart the downs again. It's just, he extends plays more than you think. And that's why Julio Jones is being paid the way he's being being paid. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. 
So um, Julio Jones, to me, is just a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal receiver. And he's a guy that if, you know, if DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas uh, weren't, you know, available, I would go after Julio Jones. So, I mean, you can... You can nitpick Julio Jones because of his injury history, but the fact of the matter is he's never healthy and he's still putting up the numbers that he does. I mean, imagine if he never missed time for injury. Can you imagine how scary he could be? You know, he really reminds me of what Calvin Johnson used to be. I mean, Calvin Johnson was, was a beast on a terrible team. Julio Jones has a better team than what Calvin Johnson did, but, um, you know, to put up the numbers that he does. And like I said, because he's been injured, it's still incredible that he was, what, second in the league in receiving yards this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he played one less game than, than most receivers. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, Julio Jones, definitely for me, number three. Yeah. All right, Cody, who is at number four? So I'm going to circle back to a receiver we've already talked about. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, for me, I have at number four. And again, when I put my list together, I was thinking of uh, receivers going into this upcoming season. Um, I have him at number four because, again, he's going into a new offense with the Cardinals with a second-year coach in uh, in Kingsbury. Or is that how you? Kingsbury. Kingsbury, excuse me. And so, in my opinion, his offense is a little unproven, and I really think that the only reason why it looked as good as it did is because of Kyler Murray. Um, and a lot of my questioning, um, for how successful Hopkins will be, um, is not because of him as a player, but more or less it's, you know, how's, how's Murray going to be in his second year? Is he going to go through a sophomore slump? Is he not going to do too much of the ball? So you get to actually give the ball to Hopkins and understand that when Hopkins is covered, he's more or less open because he's going to come down with that ball no matter what, because mm-hmm. that's how talented he is. And, and then also Hopkins pairing with, um, with Fitzgerald, I think is going to be a great combination, even though Fitzgerald, obviously older receiver with the veteran leadership that he has, the skills that he has and working with Hopkins and those two together could be a dynamic, you know, duo in terms of the receiving core that the Cardinals are going to have. So, you know, Hopkins to me is probably going to have like another, you know, 1200 yard, you know, eight touchdowns probably. I'm just really curious to see how a second-year quarterback is going to be with him. I do think that Murray is a lot better than, you know, Osweiler, TJ Yates, like we talked about. Um, I wouldn't say he's better than Watts or anything like that. But in terms of what Hopkins has had in the past before Watson, I really think that Hopkins will do great. I just want to see how good that connection is, um, and that's why I have him at number four. Uh, Drew, who do you have at number four? First of all, you're crazy. Just want to say, having him at number four, um, and I'm mad that you have Tyreek Hill over him. Just, just I'm gonna let you know. We'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, number four for me is Devonte Adams, uh, Fresno State alum. Shout out! Shout out! Yeah, go dogs! Um, I could do the whole song, the whole Fresno State song, if you want. No, um, no time for that. Okay. A, yeah, no, not not today. <laughs> okay. We'll try it another time. <laughs> Well, the reason I put Devontae Adams now, he, he, if you look at his numbers, he doesn't have great numbers. I mean, he was shy of 1,000 yards by three yards. <laughs> I'm sure he looked at that and was like, come on. <laughs> but what is really spectacular is he only played in 12 games. Yeah. And he was injured a lot this year, obviously, uh, you know, for what, uh, four games? Yeah. So 
you know, that's minus four games. But the number that I was really impressed with, um, he averaged 83 yards per game. That is fifth in the NFL this past year. Mm-hmm. So he is a guy who, when he is playing, Aaron Rodgers will trust him n- like none other. Now, he's another guy that a lot of people would argue, well, he's a product of he's working with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, we, you can make that argument. That's fair. But I have seen him since the Fresno State days, and that was when they had, you know, a really good receiving core. They had Devontae Adams. They had a guy named Isaiah Burse, who was a speed guy. Um, they had Josh Harper, who was a uh, really good receiver. And actually, um, I thought, you know, was very underrated, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, you know, then Derek Carr was, was the one who was slinging it to him. Right. So they had a really good receiving core, and they had – this is what a lot of people don't realize is Fresno State had a defensive head coach mm-hmm. and they had these offensive players who were, you know, obviously um, they were uh, recruited before this head coach came in. But um, and that was like one of the best offenses in Fresno State history. I mean, mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Um, but Devontae Adams was always the go to guy. I mean, Isaiah Burst was the fast guy. Josh Harper was the short yardage guy. Um, but Devontae Adams, when you needed a big play, whether it be in the end zone, whether it be just a first down, whether it, you know, to get Derek Carr in a, into a groove, it was mm-hmm. always, always to Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And Adams is basically in the same role in Green Bay, and there's not much around him. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these teams are starting to double cover Adams, and he's still making those catches he's still getting those yards he's still you know catching five touchdowns in only 12 games I mean he's doing what he needs to do and we saw the shift when he was out for Green Bay and then all of a sudden he came back I mean the the Green Bay offense looked a lot different it wasn't just Aaron Jones you also had to worry about Adams and and Rodgers so Mm -hmm. um you know well you always worry about Rodgers but right um, yeah, Devontae Adams, uh, to me, is completely underrated, and I think he needs to be, um, in my opinion, he is the top five receiver right now. I got you. Well, that's a perfect segue for me to go to my number five guy, who is also Devontae Adams. So, um, so Devontae Adams, I think, you know, you did a good job in explaining how he was at Fresno State, but also, too, as a receiver who in his at Fresno State had over 20 touchdowns and his and his and Carr's connection was just completely unreal and when Green Bay got him obviously it was a quarterback upgrade from the respect of just arm talent um, but Devontae Adams has only played one full season without any injury and he's only had one season with more than a thousand yards receiving so that's why I have him at number five right now um, you know, he was just shy of a thousand yards. He did have five touchdowns, even though he played in, um, only 12 games rather than a full 16. Um, but you're absolutely right though. When Devonte Adams is not in that lineup or not playing that offense is completely a snail's race. Um, it has, it has no flow to it. Uh, that's one of the tough things about a rookie head coach with someone like Aaron Rodgers, who is considered a savant in football. Um, if you don't give him, if you don't give him somebody that can mentally challenge him and push him and see the bigger picture, clearly you're going to see Aaron Rodgers isn't really um, game for that, you know, for whatever offense you have. And you can tell that the receiving, the receivers he had during that stretch where he didn't have Devonte Adams just really was letting him down tremendously. 
And as soon as, as soon as Adams came back, that whole offense just looked completely different. Even though Aaron Jones was being used heavily, you know, you can clearly tell that Adams was that missing piece and he made a world of difference for them. Um, and that's why I've got him at number five. Um, again, a lot of the things I want to look for in this upcoming season is I want to see him stay healthy. I want to see how the coach gets him more involved, how the offensive coordinator finds ways to get him open. And I also want to make sure that Rodgers isn't getting too long in the tooth where he's now just kind of forcing. And, you know, as he's got to age like every other quarterback that we've talked about, like Breeze or Tom Brady, um, a lot of the things I want to make sure is that his talent doesn't suffer, which means he doesn't turn into a lazy quarterback where he gets rid of the ball too quickly before he lets Devontae Adams kind of run his route, get open. Even though Devontae Adams is uber talented, um, you know, I just want to see how it's going to turn out for him. That's why I've got him at number five. So, Drew, who do you got in your number five? My number five is Odell Beckham. And I, I understand he's with Baker Mayfield, um, but there are reports that um, he's being shopped and the Minnesota Vikings have been um, in talks with the Browns to try and um, get OBJ. That would be completely scary. Yeah. So, um, you know, even if he doesn't go to the Vikings, I think really getting him out of Cleveland will really help him. I mean, if he went to, uh, I almost said San Diego, I guess, uh, to the to the Chargers, uh-huh. um, or if he went to, uh, I mean, even, I, I doubt this would happen, but if he went to, like, the Raiders, I think he would be a lot happier with, just at least a, a and this is going to be a big shot at, at Baker Mayfield. So uh-huh. brace yourself, but at least a good quarterback if you're with them, he's gonna he's gonna flourish. So gotcha. Um, but I really like Odell Beckham, even though mm-hmm. Beckham. I mean, he had a really down year. He still had over a thousand yards this year, mm-hmm. um, which is surprising because it was a pretty quiet thousand yards, if you mm-hmm. ask me. Um. And um, he only had four touchdowns, so that could be another another reason. But I do feel like with Stefanski in Cleveland, I feel like he's going to scheme more uh, for Odell Beckham. And the reason I say scheme is Baker tried to force the ball to Odell a lot. And so I think with Stefanski, he's going to scheme up plays where Odell Beckham is going to be open so all Baker has to do is basically just put the ball on the money. Mm-hmm. And he is an accurate quarterback, so he can do that. But I don't think he can throw guys open. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the issue. And with Stefanski, he made Adam Thielen almost a superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stefan Diggs, there was a whole issue. And Stefan Diggs had over 1,000 yards this year. And, I mean, you wouldn't have known it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Kirk Cousins, I mean, uh, we're not saying Kirk Cousins is – you know, Tom Brady. <laughs> so by any means. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Odell Beckham, I feel like is going to be, um, just a, a great, great receipt. He is a great receiver. Mm-hmm. And I think this year he's going to, he's really going to step up to the plate. I, I really feel that way. Um, and it's kind of hard for me to see Odell Beckham have a bad year because I love one. I love the hands. Mm-hmm. He's got tremendous hands. I mean, yes, we all know about that catch, but it's not just that. I mean, he makes any catch. 
Mm-hmm. I think with with Cleveland, he did lose a lot of confidence, and he did have a lot of drops. So I feel like when he come when he goes to a new team, I think he's going to be re-energized. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be ready, and um, I think you're going to see a different Odell Beckham, even if he stays in Cleveland. I still mm-hmm. feel like he's going to be re-energized. I think he is being doubted way too much, mm-hmm. and I think he wants to prove everyone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Odell does have some good speed. Um, you know, he he's not going to be a guy who's going to be tough to bring down. But with those, like what we're talking about with those 50-50 balls, he's like a DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you're going to trust Odell over anyone else. Right. So, um, you know, for me, I have Odell Beckham at number five uh, because I'm still holding out hope. I mean, if he wasn't on Cleveland, to be honest, if he were on God, even if he were on Detroit, I, mm-hmm. he might be in my top three. I mean, imagine him and Stafford. I mean, I'm not saying that would result to a playoff team, but it would result into uh, a really high touchdowns offense. for Odell. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You have a bajillion yards, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, I like Odell Beckham. I'm, I know I'm higher than, than most people on Odell, but mm-hmm. I really believe in his ability to play the position. Um, I think he just didn't do well in New York when they were going through that whole turmoil with their head coaches and stuff. And obviously the turmoil that Cleveland had last year, I just don't think he's, I think it's that stuff does get in his head and that makes it more difficult for him. And it is an excuse, but it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So I think this year he's going to prove to uh, everyone that he is a lot better than what, probably people are saying right now yeah um so cody who is your number six so number six i have mike evans um, oh i knew that yep it's all right i think we have the same guy at number six if i'm not mistaken yes um, i have mike evans as well okay so he had uh, over 1100 yards eight touchdowns um part of the thing that makes me excited about uh, what i want to see from mike evans this upcoming season why i've got him number six is obviously he's got an upgrade in quarterback and I'm not talking an upgrade in terms of arm strength or arm talent or younger. What I mean is he's just got a – he's got the GOAT. He's got the greatest quarterback of all time, or at least in terms of, you know, winning Super Bowls and, and being as successful as he is, which means he brings a lot of experience, a lot of discipline. And Bruce Arians, who's known for being disciplined and pushing his football team to be, you know, as good as they can be, you know, they get a huge, they get a huge upgrade in terms of preparation, reading defenses, getting, getting receivers open and calling the right plays, audibling at the line if needed, which means I think Mike Evans is going to just flourish from this. Um, One of the things I wrote in my notes is this is going to be like this for Tom Brady is going to be like his Randy Moss back in 2007 when he got there. I'm not saying Mike Evans is in the exact same talent company. We're saying he is Randy Moss. My point being is Mike Evans is a tall receiver at 6'4". He doesn't have um, – he, he's not the fastest guy, but he's very long. He's got really good hands, and he gets open, and he makes plays. 50-50 balls, he's more likely coming down with it because, again, he's a taller receiver. He's going to be really good in the red zone. Um, this is why I see him getting a lot of targets from, um, from Tom Brady. I don't see like a long, a lot of long passes. I don't see any of those streaks happening. I see a lot of like out routes, a lot of curl routes coming back. I see, like I said, um, some uh, back pylon fades for when they're in the red zone. Um, I see Mike Evans being utilized with his height. 
and utilizing his hands much less than making him like a slot receiver. Not that that's what yeah. he was being utilized in, but honestly, when you have a quarterback that's got to throw you the ball and not give up 30 interceptions, you are going to have a breakout season. And Mike Evans was having these breakout seasons with Jameis Winston at quarterback too. So I just think Mike Evans is going to flourish with Tom Brady. And, and, and that's why I've got him at number six and, and as high as I do in my ranking. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have really any disagreements on that. I have Mike Evans at number six. Just like what you said, he's a big, tall receiver. He's got really good hands. Um, he's actually quite a load to take down. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that because um, who was watching Buccaneers games? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> unless you're a fantasy football player. But, um, you know, Mike Evans is, is actually a really – difficult receiver to to take down um and he's one of those guys like you said I mean those 50-50 balls and that's kind of the reason why Jameis Winston did end up throwing 30 interceptions this year was because he trusted his receivers you know a ton Mm -hmm. and I'm not just saying it's it's on the receivers I'm not saying that but he trusted them so much that he was going to throw it into triple coverage you know and, um, you know, how can you blame them? I mean, if I had, you know, a 6'5 guy on one side and a 6'3 guy on the other side uh, and Chris Godwin, I mean, I feel pretty good. And then you got a playmaker <laughs> at O.J. Howard at the tight end position. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's really hard to say, you know, James Winston is completely out of his mind. I mean, he is a little bit, but, you know, he he did trust his receivers probably to a fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, n- not probably he did. And, um, but Mike Evans, yeah, I like what you said. I mean, when Tom Brady was really putting up his big numbers and was really at the top of his game, who were the two guys that you think of that really helped him out? Randy I mean, you, you could, one. yeah, Randy Moss, you could argue maybe Julian Edelman or Wes Welker, Mm-hmm. But I think his big-time success was when Randy Moss came to the Patriots. And then when Randy Moss left, then he had a guy named um, – oh, he's uh, he's like 6'7". Oh, Rob Gronkowski. Right. That guy. Yes, Gronkowski. The wrestler? wrestler. Yeah. So when Gronk was a big tight end target, I mean, Tom Brady flourished. So I don't see anything change here when he has another big receiver. We've seen it time and time again. Even you could argue um, this might be this might be bad for the podcast, but you could argue when Aaron Hernandez was there, he was a big receiver as well, and he was doing well with the Patriots until he decided to kill three people. But um, <laughs> that's beside. But the then, yeah, that's beside what I'm trying to talk about. But when he has big receivers. Tom Brady seems to be um he seems to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. And what helps with them is sometimes when he makes a bad throw, he can then trust the receiver. Mm-hmm. But he's so smart and he can scheme guys in in a way where they're gonna be wide open or it's gonna be an easy catch for them, versus he's just gonna, you know, gun it in there and, and hope for the best like Winston did. So mm-hmm. um I think Mike Evans is going to absolutely flourish, but I think he's also, I, I mean, I, I know I keep saying this, but I do feel like he's very underrated. I think we, a lot of these receivers are very underrated when it comes to that because 
certain maybe the teams that they're on or the quarterback that they have. Um, but in this case, I feel like it's the team and uh, Mike Evans to me, number six. Um, Cody, who is your number seven? Oh, I know this one. Oh, do you? Well, why don't you go ahead and take the floor for number seven? <laughs> well, I have, I have um, Amari Cooper. Who do you have? Uh, yeah, I've got Amari Cooper too. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I just think that's so random that we had six and seven. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm not that high on Amari Cooper. Um, and actually now I'm a little worried because, um, there's been a lot of, cause I actually just found out that, uh, Jack Prescott still has not signed that franchise tag. So he may not even be the quarterback. Um, and he has said if they do have, um, the, uh, summer camps, the training camps, mm-hmm. summer camps. um, <laughs> what summer camps, <laughs> I can't think. I keep wanting to say um, spring training, and I know that's not it at all. Um, so, but, um, you know, he has said that if he doesn't have a uh, big contract, that he's not going to uh, participate in the training camp. So that is a little worrisome for me. But nonetheless, I do believe that Amari Cooper is one of those guys who's a, he's a pure route runner. Um, he's got some speed, um, you know, as much as it, it kills me. I mean, we saw him do a lot better when he left uh, the Raiders. I mean, we saw what he did in year one and year two with the Raiders, and it was it was great. But then he kind of started to slow down. And I don't know if it was maybe he um, wasn't feeling the Raiders anymore. Maybe uh, a lot of the plays weren't going to him. You know, I, I don't know. But um, with Amari Cooper, you can't deny his talent. Now, the only issue I do have with him as well is he does drop the ball a lot, and it's usually early in games. It's it's not typically late in games. So I will give him that, but he does have a lot of drops. So he definitely needs to work on that. And especially with the diminished, if Dak Prescott is the quarterback, the Cowboys have a diminished offensive line because they had to pay Zeke. They had to pay Cooper. Mm -hmm. Um, And who knows if they're going to pay Prescott, but they should. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they do, then they're really not going to be able to spend money on their offensive line. And their defense is really, really depleted right now. They lost a lot of players in the offseason. Yeah, they're going to have to rely on Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if Cooper is going to drop a lot of passes, there's going to be those those naysayers, me being one, who are going to say, do you feel good about that $100 million contract now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Um, So... You know, I like Amari Cooper. I think he is a good receiver. I'm I'm trying not to, you know, completely tear him apart, but um mm-hmm. I don't think if we if it was just your top ten receivers that you like, Amari Cooper would not be in my top ten. And I mm-hmm. will be honest about that. Um, but you can't deny what he has done since he's been with the Cowboys. He's done nothing but, you know, produce. So mm-hmm. um, you know, going into next year, hopefully with Dak Prescott as his quarterback. Um, I still feel like Amari Cooper will be a top 10 receiver uh, in the end of the day. Yeah. 
And again, so I have him at number seven as well. And a lot of, like I, like what you kind of mentioned too, is if we had a top 10 wide receivers that we liked, I definitely think our list would be a lot different and along with our rankings for sure. Yeah. Uh, so that is also, that is something that I will say. However, at being number seven, again, talking about the upcoming season, um, you know, one of the things for me for Amari Cooper, and again, Dak Prescott is going to hinge on this and just knowing the information that you said, um, I'm still going to going to play the assumption that Dak Prescott is the one that's under center come the season that, that rolls around. And with that being said, when Amari Cooper had an off season with Dak Prescott, there was instant chemistry that you kind of saw, which led, you know, Amari Cooper to have a really stellar season. And he had his first full season um, playing all 16 games. Now, granted, one of those games, I believe he only played two snaps, I think, and he was held out for the rest of the game. Um, but he was back the following week, didn't miss a game. And a lot of the things that you and I had issues with when he was with the Raiders was one, the drops. Uh, for some reason, he just was never a part of the offensive game plan, or at least they never got him the ball. But he also never found looked for the ball as well. Something yeah, about that. He gave up a lot. Uh... Right towards the end of the Raider run. Right. And then the third thing that I think you and I could agree on um, is the fact that, um, you know, he, he couldn't stay on the field for all 16 games. You know, he definitely had an injury problem, whether it be, um, whether it be, you know, something that was major or not, he just, his availability was very limited. So that made it very difficult um, to really kind of gauge if he's really the number one guy for us. And clearly he has all the attributes for it. He can run the routes catch the ball when it's when it's necessary makes the big plays when he has to has really great breakaway speed I remember we debated or not you and I debated but there's a big debate on who we should have drafted during the same draft class class as Amari Cooper whether it was Amari Cooper or I believe it was a um, another um, receiver who was out of West Virginia if I'm not mistaken um, it was uh, some I want to oh, say it was um, Kyle, um, Kyle White last name was White uh, not um, Kenny, not Kevin, Kevin White, Kevin White, Kevin White yeah. from West and he Virginia. He went to the and, Bears. Yeah. yeah. And all because um, they found out that there was a knee injury at the last minute. That's what made them pick Amari Cooper. But honestly, with thank God, <laughs> but obviously how the offense is now constructed at the Cowboys um, with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator for Jack Prescott, where they're actually now airing the ball out. Um, you can definitely tell Cooper is flourishing in that. And you can tell by the catches, you can tell by the yards, you can tell by the touchdowns that he's gotten that it's there. I I'm really interested to see how the chemistry with Prescott, if he comes back, Cooper, and Mike McCarthy. I definitely am intrigued to see how that's going to work. I want to see if Mike McCarthy is going to treat Amari Cooper like a Greg Jennings where he made him the number one guy, but he relied on him because Greg Jennings was underrated for his catching ability. He had really good hands. Now that's the big question mark that you and I both have is how much can we trust Amari Cooper? Cause he does have drops and yeah. you know, I think, I think he's been in the league for five years now, right? He, yeah, I think so. Okay. In five years, a question mark is still his catching ability at times. Can you rely on him to get, to get the ball and to secure it? And I wouldn't say fumbling is a big issue, but, you know, if he's got the dropsies, then the fumbles kind of follow right behind just because, you know, for something, it's almost something so small, it, it makes a huge difference and it turns the offense around completely. And it could really detract, detect, uh, detract him away from the offense, especially if he's turning the ball over, not catching it. It definitely, you can see him just kind of take himself away from the offense when they really need him the most. So, yeah. That's one of the big things I'm curious to see with the McCarthy in this um, in this season. I think that's that's 
what happened in Oakland was they kind of saw a lot of the drops and started not having so many plays going to him. And, you know, I think that's why he detached himself mm-hmm. from the Raiders. And that's why towards the end, it was, it just wasn't good, you know, and all of a sudden he goes to Dallas and, and we're like, well, where was this man? <laughs> I also do think but part I, of that was the game plan as well. You know? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is I feel like they saw a lot of, they saw some, you know, miscues by Cooper and they're like, okay, well we can't rely on him. So, Let's go to this. Let's go to this receiver. Oh, let's go over here. Let's do this. And I think Cooper was kind of left out. And I think he was like, okay, I'm done here. I don't, I don't want to be here. And, you know, luckily we, luckily we did draft Amari Cooper because we wouldn't have got that uh, first round draft pick. Yeah. From the Bears. For Kevin White. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. It probably would have, I mean, we, would have been if we had drafted Kevin round. White. If we drafted Kevin White, we'd still be talking about it today and we'd have, we have emotional scar uh, scar tissue from that for sure. I think you could argue Jamarcus Russell or Kevin White oh <laughs> they both were on the Raiders. <laughs> you know what? To be honest, though, if Jamarcus Russell actually just got in the weight room in the film room, he probably would have been like a decent quarterback. Oh, yeah. But right. because he wouldn't put down the cheeseburgers and he wouldn't turn on anything more than, you know, his his video games, you know, we got we got that Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> so. Anyway, so moving on, who's your um, who do you have at number eight? Number eight, uh, this one surprised you. I have uh, Jarvis Landry. Landry, to me, is the is the go to guy for Baker Mayfield, and he's been that guy since he was in Miami, and now he is in Cleveland, and he has been nothing but consistent. The guy. I mean, it always surprises me that he always ends up with a thousand yards. I was surprised when I was when I was doing my list that mm-hmm. he had over a thousand yards. I was surprised that Odell Beckham. I was surprised that Jarvis Landry had over a thousand yards, and I was surprised that he had more than Odell Beckham. I was like, <laughs> oh man, I didn't even realize that. Now, he's a guy that he can get. He'll at least get six catches every game. So mm-hmm. he's a guy in. In fantasy football aspect, he's a guy that I love to get, especially if you're in a PPR league, because you know he's going to have like six catches. So there's six points right there. So that's consistency. And then, you know, however many yards, you don't know how many. I mean, he could get six catches and 24 yards, but he also can get those six catches and have over 100 yards. So you just never know. But, um, you know, with, with Jarvis Landry, he is a guy who... He needs a lot of catches to get going, and he is in the perfect position. He is a perfect slot receiver. He's going to run a perfect drag route, and, you know, he's going to make any plays that he can. And what what's really incredible about him is typically when we look at receivers who are, who are kind of smaller in stature, when you think of a Wes Welker, he was a guy, even though he had, you know, 20 concussions, um, you know, he was a guy that, was easy to take down. You know, he wasn't hard to take down. Uh, you know, Julian Edelman, he does pretty well protecting himself, uh, getting down really quickly. Mm-hmm. With Jarvis Landry, he seems to extend plays and not get injured, which is quite a feat in itself. Mm-hmm. So he is, he is to me, a Julian Edelman, a Wes Welker type receiver, but he's, I, I feel like he's got better hands than both of those guys ever did. 
mm-hmm. or ever do. And um, Jarvis Landry, him and Odell have a great connection. They know how to work with each other. I mean, they did that in LSU. Now they're doing it in Cleveland. And he is just a guy who, um, when you need a catch, when you need, like what we were talking about with Julio Jones, if it's a third and seven, you can run a two-yard drag or a three-yard drag, and you can believe that he's going to get that first down. He is mm-hmm. quite a, a talented receiver. Um, you know, again, I would kind of like to see him on another team. I wish mm-hmm. he were on a team that would be com- contending. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's still, even in Cleveland, even in the turmoil, he's still getting over 1,000 yards. He's still, he had six touchdowns. I mean, Jarvis Landry to me is is very, again, I keep saying this, but he's very underrated. Mm-hmm. And he is a guy who, um, you know, if if I were running a franchise and I saw Jarvis Landry, I would try and get him as, as often as I could. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. Number eight for me, I've got it actually is opposite of Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. So I have him as my number eight guy. Um, and again, a lot of it is going to determine, you know, again, the QB. In my opinion, I really think that OBJ is going to flourish a lot more if he wasn't on the Browns. Um, I really had high hopes for them last season when, you know, they did trade for him. And then they had obviously Jarvis Landry still opposite of him. Um, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have David Jofu and, uh, you know, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, even at the back half of the season, you really thought that their offense could be, you know, a legit juggernaut. And for some reason yeah. it was underwhelming. And again, what you alluded to when you talked about OBJ, um, you know, he had a really quiet thousand yard season and almost an underwhelming one in the same sense. Yeah. Um, the reason why I don't, I'm not very high on Jarvis Landry and I have OBJ where I'm at again is Baker Mayfield. And I really do think that Jarvis Landry is going to, is going to really take himself out of really what Cleveland is trying to do, because this is going to be his third full season with them. Mm -hmm. And I do not think that he is going to like the disorganization that continues to happen where they are getting rid of all these coaches, getting rid of all these executives. And there's just, he's really the only voice of trying to get them on the winning track. And yet it does not happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't have talented players like Jarvis Landry and OBJ. And I really do think that OBJ is misunderstood. I don't think that, um, I don't think that he is um, somebody that really was, um, unconfident in himself or lost confidence in himself I really do think that he knows that he is legit I really think what we saw that took him away from the offense is that you know clearly he's open he's not saying this to draw attention in a negative way he's saying this in a schematic way to um you know to win to get those yardages get that catch to put his team in good position and yet I really think that there was all this hype for Baker Mayfield to get these guys the ball and then when it came down to it he crumbled under the pressure in the pocket. And, you know, a lot of that is too, is him being in his second year. So he had a really bad sophomore slump and he had a, you know, a rookie head coach who was his offensive coordinator who was trying to do way too much. And you can tell that these two all pro receivers needed a a quarterback that had confidence in himself. And it was just really unfortunate to see that offense fall on his face. But for me, OBJ at number eight, is because I do think that he'll have a great improvement. I do think his chemistry will be good with with Mayfield if he even sees the same field with Mayfield because, again, with reports that we're hearing with 
the Vikings entertaining trying to trade for him, which I think would then elevate OBJ, in my opinion, to like in my top five of oh yeah of receivers coming up, just because you know the Vikings have a powerful offense, and it is it is would be a, an upgrade to say the least um, to replace him with Diggs, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But again, with Cleveland's offense, how they run that organization, that's one of the things that makes me worried about OBJ because OBJ is wasting all of his talent in Cleveland when Cleveland isn't doing anything to make themselves any better. They're all, all they're doing is collecting all this talent, but they are giving it no leadership to develop, to work together, to make that franchise better. They are probably one, head co- one veteran head coach, proven head coach, and somewhat of a more organized um, coaching staff around it that mm-hmm. will hold their feet to the fire, hold everyone accountable to being a legit contender or a playoff team at least. And yet they keep trying to be too cute. They're getting all this talent and putting inexperienced coaches in it and trying to get these inexperienced coaches to tell these elite people what to do. And these elite athletes know that what they're saying is not correct. That's not how they want it done. And you can just definitely tell with the disinterest on the field and how the production is. So, yeah. you know, the, a lot of that is why I've got OBJ at number eight. And it has nothing to do with him not being talented. It's just basically the team that, that he's going to be taking the field with. So, that's I mean, I don't be. think he's going to end up – I don't think he's going to be – if and or when the um, season starts, I don't think he's going to be a Cleveland Brown. I really don't. I feel like he's going to be – uh, on a different team. I don't know if it's going to be the Vikings. Um, it could be someone else, but I, I really don't feel like he's going to be on Cleveland. And mm-hmm. that's kind of why I have him a little bit higher than you do. So Honestly, here's a scenario that I will tell you right now that I would actually be okay with. And I can om- honestly make a debate that it's probably worth thinking about. I would take one of our first round picks, 12 or 19, take whatever one you want, Maybe it's the you mean Raiders, right? The Raiders, yeah, sorry. The Las Vegas Raiders. I would take a first round pick and maybe another later round, maybe fifth pick, flip it to Cleveland to get OBJ. And I would look to maybe you're gonna find this controversial. I would look for a quarterback later in the draft, like a Jake Fromm, um, to be behind Carr if Carr can't get it done. Cause I think I think I think honestly this is Carr's last season if he doesn't produce like get them to the playoffs or whatever. I don't I don't see this relationship working out. And honestly, unfortunately Raider fans are going to grow impatient to Carr being what year 6 or 7 with the Raiders and only one playoff berth and just a lot of hype but he's not really flinging the ball like what we were hoping for when he was in Fresno State. But if you get a proven receiver in OBJ who doesn't have any sort of baggage like AB for example, mm-hmm. Now there's no excuse for Carr. However, you now have somebody um, lying in wait to then take over. What do you think? I I like it. I I mean, I would – I don't think – I think if they did do that, I don't think they would go for a quarterback because they did sign Marcus Mariotis to to some good money, Mm -hmm. and they do still have a lot of money to spend, so they could afford Odell Beckham. Um, I I just – I think – First of all, they're not going to do it. The, you know, no, no, this is all hypothetical. This sure. is Mayock's thing. I mean, yeah. he wants the draft. And honestly, but I don't think I don't he likes think... OBJ that much either. I think Gruden does, though. 
Yeah, but I don't think it's enough for Madoc to pull the trigger because I really think that Madoc has been doing some Gruden, um, <laughs> some uh, trying to train Gruden because, you know, before Madoc got in there, Gruden was just kind of doing God knows what. Like we were all confused <laughs> on what he was doing. And then Madoc came in there and then we finally saw somewhat of a plan in place that we understood and made sense. And I really yeah. think that Madoc is the one that is tapering back Gruden. This is off subject, yeah. by the way tapering back Gruden to where it's a more of a focused plan and this is how we should do it. This is what we should do, especially with Mayock knowing what today's football is nowadays and not, I feel like Gruden was kind of behind and Mayock is bringing him up to speed now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a Drew Code show if, if we didn't get off topic at least once. Okay. Let's get back on topic. So who do you have (laughs) as number nine for your uh, receivers? Number nine is Tyreek Hill. Now, I'm I'm not as high on on Tyreek Hill, kind of the kind of kind of man I cannot talk, kind of in a similar way to Amari Cooper. Um, if you know we're talking about our favorite receivers, our top ten receivers, Hill would not be there. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyreek Hill really relies on his speed. Now he's got some decent hands, but he does have, um, just like Cooper, he has a few drops, and um. I've seen him drop on some clutch uh, passes from Mahomes, mm-hmm. and not just Mahomes, but Alex Smith as well. So, I mean, he relies a lot on his speed, and I tend to not like guys like that because when they get older, um, typically you see them start depleting in their in their production. Now, Steve Smith was kind of an outlier. Smith had some really good speed, but he had really good hands, and he was such a small receiver. And as he got older, he was still very productive for the Ravens and the Panthers. Um, so, but with Tyreek Hill, um, I think he's he's definitely benefited that he's had a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes who could basically throw the same speed <laughs> that Hill runs. So, um, you know, I, I am not as high on Tyreek Hill, but you cannot deny that since he has been with the Chiefs, um, especially with Mahomes, and adding Travis Kelsey with that and mixing in Nicole Hardman and, and all these receivers, Sammy Watkins and stuff like that, um, he has been very productive and he has been the uh, number one receiver. Now you could argue the the go to guy is Travis Kelsey. That's no question. But Tyreek Hill, he had a huge impact, and he had a huge impact in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl with a big throw by Mahomes. And actually, you could argue it was kind of underthrown to Tyreek Hill, who was wide open, mm-hmm. and he went back and caught it. So he's got he's he's a great talent. I mean, if you were they have guys who, you know, are just possession guys like I mentioned, Travis Kelsey. So then you can add a guy who has speed in Tyreek Hill, and he is absolutely flourishing in Andy Reid's offense. Um, like I said, I don't think he's as good as what his numbers show because I do feel like he relies on his speed. And if he were with some other quarterbacks, I'm not sure he would be as – he wouldn't have those high numbers like he does in here. But there is no denying that he does have Patrick Mahomes, who is right now the best quarterback in the game. And, you know, he's he's absolutely going to get those numbers until 
he retires or until he leaves Mahomes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's got to be in the top 10 and, and from that aspect. Um, who's your number nine? Number nine, I've got Chris Godwin um, of the Bucks. Um, goes alongside with Mike Evans. And, of course, this one, the big factor I have him in my top 10 is because, again, the upgrade at quarterback, like what we mentioned with Mike Evans at, with Tom Brady, um, I really do think that uh, Chris Godwin's going to be um, sort of uh, the new Julian Edelman for Tom Brady, um, although faster in my opinion. Uh, he's got he's yeah. got freakish speed, um, really underrated in terms of uh, his catching ability with his hands, and he has a he does a really good job at getting open in tight spots. Um, I really do see him as probably a receiver that's going to get a lot of screens. Um, little short uh, slants, you know, in the middle, out on, out on the uh, out-of-bounds line. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, I think that's going to be a perfect setup for, like, Mike Evans, like what we mentioned, of being a red zone threat, especially if Tom Brady is known for just going, um, you know, short on the defense, but then in the red zone going to exploit the safeties, especially on a shorter field when he's in the red zone. Um, so I really like Chris Goodwin for this uh, upcoming season. He had a really great season with Jameis Winston, even though Jameis Winston, like what we alluded to through 30 interceptions, you know, this kid had 1300 yards um, in, in receiving yards and he had nine touchdowns Um, in three seasons. He's only missed two games, which means he's very durable, um, very trustworthy in terms of, you know, he's going to be there. And I really do think that he's going to be the X factor. That's going to take a lot of pressure off of uh, Mike Evans. And it doesn't help that Tom Brady – it does help that Tom Brady's going to have O.J. Uh, Howard to throw to as well, basically like Gronk 2.0. Um, but I really do think that Chris uh, Goodwin is going to – or Godwin, pardon me – is going to be that receiver that's going to really be someone that Tom Brady relies on, um, somebody that he knows that he can get the ball to him at any time and he can trust that guy to come down with it regardless of what the defense is showing him. So that's why I've got him at number nine. Uh yeah, Chris Godwin is my number ten. So that's a that's a good transition. Right um, yeah, I I like that you said that you think he's going to be his Edelman. And what Tom Brady's really going to like about this kid is just like you said, he's been in the league for three years. He had to work his way up mm-hmm. to being um one of the top receivers. I mean, he was third in receiving yards last year, with like you said, thirteen hundred over thirteen hundred receiving yards, and he had um nine receiving touchdowns i mean they had a high-powered offense but Mm -hmm. and when you have mike evans on the other side it's kind of hard not to just kind of focus on mike evans and um so for chris godwin to have better numbers than mike evans Mm -hmm. and um like you said like you said he's got some really good speed he's got really good hands he is very underrated and a lot of people don't realize he's actually a really big receiver. He's like, I believe he's six, three. So he's not a small guy. Um, So, you know, Chris Godwin, if, if he can keep up his work ethic, Tom Brady is really going to like him. And I really like what you said. I think he is going to be the Julian Edelman of this offense. He is going to be, you know, if he needs just like a short pass just to kind of get his groove back or, you know, he needs a short route just to get the first down to, you know, extend the drive. He's going to go right to him, um, you know. So I, I like Chris Godwin. I think he's absolutely going to flourish. I think his yardage is going to go down because he's going to be that Julian Edelman type. Mm-hmm. Julian Edelman, he had more – like what I was talking about with Jarvis Landry. 
he's more of the possession guy. He's going to be the guy who could get, you know, six or seven receptions, maybe only 20 yards. But he's going to be that guy who um, will constantly get um, a ton of catches. So, um, yeah, I completely agree with you, Chris Godwin. He's just my number 10 because um, it was hard to put him uh, ahead of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, understood. Well, then that leaves me with my number 10. I've got um, Stefan Diggs for me at number 10 going into next season. A lot of the factors I had with this one is, um, you know, his quarterback last year, Kirk Cousins, we're not going to say is an all pro, but we're also not going to say that he is not like a, a good caliber starting quarterback. The only thing that Stefan Diggs really had against him last season is that the offense that he was playing against for some reason was so content on running the ball that it, that, you know, obviously he was essentially in the shadows for about the first three or four weeks of the season until finally he just exploded was getting the ball. And yeah. what you alluded to with Adam Thielen getting a lot of the volume in terms of catches because Adam Thielen was op- – or excuse me, Stephon Diggs was opposite. Once Stephon Diggs was getting the ball, he was electric. Um, over 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. Um, it was his second 1,100-yard uh, se- uh, – you know, 1,000-yard receiving uh, season, so he went back-to-back. Um, and he took a huge step forward, in my opinion, as being a number one receiver. And I do think he is a legit one. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely has the hands for it. Definitely has the route running for it. I definitely think there's no doubt about that. And so what I'm really curious and really interested to see is how him and Josh Allen mesh in Buffalo. I really think that Buffalo has a really good um, kind of one-two running punch with their young running backs. Um, they don't really have a second receiver per se. I think they've got Josh Brown, uh, who's their number one guy. And I think that he's got the, he's John the, Brown, John Brown, pardon me. Mm-hmm. And he's the, he's a speedy guy. Um, and he's really the home run hitter, but I really think that digs that really good counterbalance to what they would really look for. And the way that Allen slings that ball, I think would be really electric. So Diggs doesn't have to go for the home run all the time. He can very, mm-hmm. he can very much go for those under routes. Um, and the way he comes off the line would really keep those DBs honest. And honestly, in the division that they're in, outside of the Patriots, uh, uh, Gilmore, they don't. There's no DB in that division that's gonna hold. That's gonna hold down uh, Diggs, in my opinion. Um, and Diggs, I think, is gonna have this fresh start in Buffalo. I do think that Allen in his third season is gonna make a huge stride. Um, and I'm curious to see how this Buffalo team is gonna be. I I think that they were in the wild card, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. means that they have gotten better throughout the years. And not only do you have a mobile quarterback, you got to watch out for. You got some dynamic running backs that you need to keep account of. You got a home run hitter in Brown that you got to watch out for um, over the top of the defense. But then you've got, in my opinion, a really, really, really good uh, receiver in Diggs that's just going to make that offensive offense pop. And I really do think that he's going to benefit from that. And that's why he's number ten for me. I I kept him out of my top ten because well obviously because I have other receivers that I like a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I think he's going to have more catches mm-hmm. than he ever did with the Vikings. I mean, with the Vikings last year, he had over 1,100 yards, only 63 catches. That's efficient. I mean, yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's absolutely efficient. But that means he's the home run hitter. And I think just like what you said, in Buffalo, he's going to be the more go-to guy. So he's going to have more catches. He might have fewer yards, or maybe he might have the same, but he's going to have less of these, you know, three catches, 
you know, 150 yards. I think he's going to have more of these games where he's getting um, six catches, you know, 97 yards and a touchdown, you know. So, um, you know, I I think Diggs is going to have a a bigger role, obviously, in Buffalo. Um, He's really not going to have to uh, share time with, you know, another receiver. So I feel like uh, Diggs is going to be – but. We also, we don't know how the connection is going to be. And especially with all this quarantine stuff, um, the connection may not be that good this year. It, it may have to wait till next year. So uh, who knows? I mean, uh, but I like Stefan Diggs. I just, I kind of want to see it play out before I go and, and say, um, you know, Diggs is going to be in my top 10. So. Yeah, agreed. Well, we had... Uh, some good conversation man we got some in-depth we we still made uh, some raider uh talks <laughs> we got still... a little bit in there <laughs> <laughs> we always find a way um but uh man it was it was really good and you brought your a game for sure man so i always love that you that you're always bringing it every week thanks man i gotta keep up with you man you're the guy that has the great analysis and man i can't i can't just let you just run the show all by yourself i gotta i gotta help out and stink up the joint sometimes <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. Good God. Well, have you seen me? I am short, man. Come on. (laughs) Not on 2K. (laughs) (laughs) Well, compared to your second guy, I am short on the court now. (laughs) We got our real life uh, guys on there now. That's that's a conversation for another day for sure. <laughs> but um, hey, guys, thank you for listening. We appreciate uh, all the love and support. Again, um, you know we are on all uh, podcast formats, so uh, please go rate and review. Um, anything helps. Um, go check out our website. It is DrewCodeSportsTalk.com. All of our content is on there, whether it be our YouTube content, our podcast content, and also our two bays in a pod content. Um, and if you're looking to uh, get some really cool uh, workout gear or uh, really good, um, you know, protein shakes, uh, protein bars, you know, whatever it may be, uh, go to FNX Fit. Um, and if we have a promo code that you can get 15% off, so go check our website out and uh, the link will be there um and uh, i actually just tried my uh, protein shake for the last uh last week now and uh, it's really good it's it, it is really good that's stuff i can i can chug and well, I, I like it a lot <laughs> i keep much, man. you gotta you gotta save it for those post-workouts don't, <laughs> don't empty it all out at once and um well no i'm i'm using it for my post-workouts don't worry and I just brought, I just bought uh, protein bars as well, so I'm really excited about that. Very cool. So I'm, I'm all protein out, and I'm trying to do as much as I can at home. Um, but uh, you know, you can only do so much with when you're spending all day with your kid and can't really leave her by herself. So <laughs> some brain pressing with her. Yeah, I, <laughs> to failure too in squats. <laughs> Here, honey, get on my shoulders. <laughs> So uh, go check all that stuff out. Like I said, go check out DrewCodeSportsTalk.com. We're on all social media. All of our information is on the website. So go check all that out. Thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate it. And uh, hopefully uh, next week we are uh, really excited. We're going to be doing a uh, mock draft. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, so uh, go check it out for the uh, NFL draft, which will be next week as well. So we're going to put that out just before the draft. I think a day before the draft starts. So, uh, you know, go check it out. It'll be, it'll be really fun. Uh, we're definitely going to nerd out. So Cody, any, any uh, final thoughts? Uh, everybody stay safe in quarantine. Wash your hands. Um, social, di- social distancing. Can I enunciate that one out? <laughs> also, too, don't forget to, um, you know, anybody in the medical field, medical profession, nurses, doctors, um, you know, RNs, um, even those that are taking care of, uh, you know, elderly and the senior citizen community homes. Um, you know, big shout out to you guys. Be safe out there. Um, also, if you see anybody in that profession, let them know that you appreciate them for literally working on the front lines and in the line of danger. I mean, it, it's uh, definitely not something that you or I can do, Drew, but, you know, definitely we have yeah. loved ones that are doing it and we're thinking about them, hoping that they're safe and, you know, make sure that everyone is safe out there as well. So, you know, definitely, definitely couldn't agree more. Uh, big shout out to my wife. She's pregnant and, uh, She's still, an LVN, and still doing she's, her the, thing. she's the head nurse over at her building, and she's still going strong. So, uh, you know, it's it's a stressful time, and she's still doing it. So, big shout out to her and and uh, all the LVNs, RNs, CNAs, whoever whoever is out there helping out, doctors. Uh, yeah, big shout out to them for sure. All right, all right guys, great job, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>